the question is, are you ready? This is The Drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. We've got a big football game tonight to talk about on this Wednesday Drive. It is the highest ranked FBS team to ever step into Kid Brewer Stadium. Coastal Carolina facing the Mountaineers. Number 14 in the Rock and Robert. While I know we usually don't hand out our bets until later in the week, this pick's going to count for this week's picks. I'll take however many points you'll give me. I'm seeing at plus five on Caesar Sportsbook right now because I'm calling for the upset in Boone tonight. Put some money on it. App State should have beaten Coastal last year. That game was at their place in Conway. I remember watching every snap of this game. It wasn't back and forth. App led it pretty much the entire game. Was up eight, I think, at halftime. In the fourth quarter, they were leading until about two and a half minutes to go. The Mountaineers made uncharacteristic mistakes. Three interceptions. Two massive disaster plays. I think it might have been the first snap from scrimmage for Coastal that they threw a 75-yard touchdown to match a score by the Mountaineers. Then in the second half, first drive, second or third play, Grayson McCall, 64-yard touchdown run. Those are huge chunk plays we normally don't see Appalachian State giving up. Not that defense. So I felt it was kind of a one-off. Just like how I felt last Tuesday night was a one-off. I felt that was a classic trap game for the Mountaineers because they were looking ahead to this one. I think Louisiana was a worse matchup for Rap State than Coastal Carolina is, even though Coastal's a top 15 ranked team. App was missing some key players that they expect to get tonight. At 7.30 ESPN2. And I'm not alone in having an optimistic viewpoint. This was Sean Clark talking about the chance visiting The Rock earlier this week. Uh, the sky's not falling. All of our goals are in front of us. And, and our goal is to win the Sun Belt Championship. And, and in order to do that, you have to win the East. And the East is, is, is here on Wednesday night. And it's going to be a great game versus two great uh, programs. Coach Chabwell's done a fantastic job. They're undefeated. I mean, they're ranked 14th in the country. And what a way to evaluate your program and play in that kind of competition. No doubt about it. You're facing a great team, but the Chants have not seen anything like the environment they're going to get later this evening. Not last year during the pandemic, certainly. Not this year. This is a game App State's going to have a great opportunity. Grayson McCall... This is his second year starting. They run this slightly tweaked offense that looks like an option-based offense but throws it a little bit more. They have a really good coach, Jamie Chadwell, but App State has the home crowd advantage. The Rock is going to be rocking, pun intended. Temperatures, they're going to be in the 50s. How often do you think the group from Myrtle Beach is running into that? Not that often. Coastal, they have not been tested at all this year. Other than the chance, 
There are four teams with winning records in the Sun Belt. The Chants have played exactly zero of those teams. They haven't even played a team with a winning record outside of conference play this year. When I look at their out-of-conference record or their out-of-conference uh, slate, they're playing the Citadel, they're playing UMass, who's terrible, Kansas, who's terrible, even though they had some problems with that game. They have not played a good football team yet. And here's what I know about the Mountaineers. They are a good football team. They have this game circled. They're playing at home, a place that they don't lose very often. This is an environment unlike anything the Chants have seen. This is an opponent unlike anything the Chants have seen this year. Cam Peoples, I expect him to return at running back. And I think Appalachian State is going to win this game outright. Now, I'll take the points. I'll take the five for best bets purposes. But I think Appalachian State is going to win this game. Robert Walsh is the producer of this show today. On Twitter, you can find us at WSJS Sports 336-777-1600 is the phone number if you want to chime in that way. Adam Gold's going to be joining us in studio in about 10 minutes. Meanwhile, the Charlotte Hornets, they're going to open their season tonight, 7 o'clock against the Pacers. And I've already heard Hornet fans that seem afraid of expectations, that seem afraid of of some of the hype that's surrounding this team, downplaying things a bit, saying that given the team's past track record, playoffs shouldn't be the mark this year. That shouldn't be the expectation for Charlotte, which is something I flatly disagree with. I think it has to be the expectation. That has to be the baseline for you guys to make the playoffs. It's been five years I understand that. We're not counting losing in the play-in tournament to Indiana, who they got tonight, as the as a playoff appearance for Charlotte. But this Hornets team, when they were healthy last year, they were a playoff team in the East. At the end of March, they were fourth in the Eastern Conference, ahead of the Atlanta Hawks, who ended up in the Eastern Conference Finals, as we all know. We get it. The East got better in the offseason. The Chicago Bulls, for example. Really bad last year. Picked up some parts. They're supposed to be a lot better. There are a few other teams that check that box as well. But Charlotte should be better too. LaMelo Ball was thrust into a really difficult spot last year. Which is why I didn't expect him to be the rookie of the year in the NBA. I didn't expect him to be playing at a potential all-pro level at points right out of the gate because he didn't get the benefit of the G League. He didn't get the benefit of a traditional offseason that includes summer league and a robust training camp to prepare him. He didn't get all that. Now he's had a real offseason, even though he wasn't at summer league. I expect him to look more like an NBA player. I'm talking about his physique, his body type. He already had the confidence. I don't know if that could get much higher. But just because of LaMelo, this team should be better. Just because of health, 
this team should perform better. And if they aren't improved, somebody should be held responsible for that. Somebody should be blamed, either Mitch Kupchak or James Borrego. Now, not enough for them to lose their jobs, because even if this season is not a playoff season, hypothetically, the pros still far outweigh the cons for what these guys have done for this organization the last handful of years. But this should be a playoff team. We knew the problems going into the year. I don't know how much better they've gotten, but it's the job of Cupcheck and the job of Borrego to develop and to make these teams better in the building phases as you try to ramp this thing up. You knew you were going to lose Bismack Biombo and Cody Zeller. In fact, you encouraged them to leave and that you had to replace them. And the best guy you replaced them with is Mason Plumley. Then you traded back in the first round for Kai Jones. I don't know how much of an impact Kai Jones is going to be this year, but that was the decision by the front office. And if they're not better this year, they deserve criticism to come along with that. A playoff appearance could go a long way too. Winning organizations, they set themselves up. They expect to make the playoffs. That should be the baseline. I'm sick and tired of it being, well, in the future, we're going to be really good. It's why I'm apathetic about one of the two teams I root for, the Baltimore Orioles. I don't want to hear anymore that we're going to be better in the future. Yeah, 2024, let's circle that. I'm done with that. Show me the results right now. It's been too damn long. This will no longer be a benchmark in the future if you get to the playoffs this year. It just becomes something you expect. So I'm fine with that being the bar. It might convince a guy like Miles Bridges to stick around after this year. They didn't get the rookie pay scale done before tonight. Mitch Kupchak said it's a wait-and-see approach earlier today at his press conference. But if you want to convince that guy to stick around, maybe attract some other free agents that are slightly better than Gordon Hayward and Kelly Oubre, you got to make the playoffs. That's the next step for this team. So... I'm not interested in hearing hype being tempered here. I'm not saying this is a team that could even win a playoff series, but come on. The East has improved, but come on. You should be able to make it top eight in your conference at this point with that GM and that coach and that star point guard, period. And it starts tonight. Even in the air quote PC culture that we live in, There is still a group of athletes it's completely okay to make fun of to almost uncomfortable degrees. I'll tell you what group that is next on The Drive. A regular little chatterbox. Already talking a mile a minute. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. The sideline reporter for TBS stole our bit yesterday. Adam Gold's in studio now with us from the Adam Gold Show that you just heard from noon to three. It was maybe the best interview question I've heard. Cody Bellinger and Mookie Betts were standing there, and she asked, who's buying dinner tonight to Cody (laughs) Bellinger? I thought they were going to ask what's for dinner. I thought that was about to happen. (laughs) 
It's so perfect because it was we haven't 6 done o'clock. That. We haven't done that. We haven't done that no, in a while. No. 6 o'clock in the afternoon L.A. time when that's happening. Such a great question. Before we get to uh, this Zion Williamson headline, dinner, to be honest, before we get to this Zion Williamson headline, which Gosh. is annoying and uncomfortable to me, let me ask you this. Excited for the baseball later this afternoon, yeah. the ALCS starting at around 5.05, that being a game four. Then tonight it's a game five, or I got that backwards. Game five for game Boston. Game five for Boston, Houston. That's the five o'clock first pitch. And then you got the Dodgers and Braves tonight. Who feels worse this moment, the Braves or the Red Sox for how the latter innings uh, uh, took place yesterday? Yes. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I'm serious. If you're the Braves, you had a three-run lead in the eighth inning against the Dodgers team that was asleep. You were that close to 3-0, and it's not over because I don't, I've always thought that whatever happened has happened in the past doesn't matter to the future. The Dodgers are good enough to win four straight against anybody, especially a team that they won 100 or, or 18 games more than during the regular season, and the Dodgers played in a significantly better division. So... But I I termed it today, I think the Dodgers lead the series 1-2. That's the mindset. L.A., we got to win. Those guys are crushed. Now let's go. The next two, because it's 2-3-2, two, two, yeah. are in L.A., and L.A. is easily the more talented team. Oh, they're by far the more talented team. So I'm with you but on that. But that doesn't matter. So today is the most important game of the series for the Braves. It's the most important game of the series for the Braves. And I, I will argue that the exact same thing is true for Boston. They didn't lose a dramatic game last night. They I mean, they lost. Would you describe this afternoon game as a pivotal game five? Well, all, all game fives are pivotal. Pivotal. Pivotable? Pivotal. I thought it was only 2-2 two, two series no, 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 ties no, 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 where no, no, it's no. pivotal. All game fives are pivotal. Well, this is a 2-2 two, two series. That's right, yeah. Houston, so this is Boston, pivotal. it is 2-2. Two, two. So, yeah, it is a pivotal game five. All all, in a seven-game series, all game fives are pivotal, and all game threes are all important. And if it's a 2-2 series tie, the loser of the pivotal game five will then have to try and stave off elimination in oh, game you six. You don't want to get to stave mode. You don't want to be in stave situation. <laughs> all right, let's get to the Zion Williamson headline. The Pelicans, quote, have concerns about Zion's weight as he's, quote, Gotten north of 300 pounds this offseason, end quote. Question, is that the Bleacher Report story? Yes. Okay. Uh, I haven't read that thoroughly. Um, and so it, it may be 100% true. It Honestly, it may be the Pelicans might have concerns about Zion Williamson's weight. And if he... I don't care what he was in the off season. What is he now? And what, and I understand he's got a foot injury. He had surgery. So he hasn't been able to get on the court. Um, But if he is grossly out of shape, then that would be justified. Understood. What you said though, your weight now matters. I don't care what it was during the off season. I've been uncomfortable for a long time with how Zion has been covered when it comes to his weight, the yeah. fascination with it interests me. We he's no big. longer in the air. He's a large human yes. being. 
in the air quote PC culture that people love to talk about, you can no longer, for good reason, make fun of people for their gender or for their race. Right. But you can absolutely in right. sports today make fun of people who are overweight. And I could think of a dozen examples where that applies even in the last few years. Why are you looking Every at time me? Kelvin Benjamin Why are you looking at news. me about this? Oh, I'm not looking at you. You are. You're c- complaining well, you're about my weight now. I can't Honestly, believe Joel, this. Before you got in here, he was like, I really don't want this fat ass to come in the studio. Can I, I don't even understand this. <laughs> I'm fi- I'm gonna file I'm gonna file a complaint. The you Kelvin should. Benjamin of radio host Adam Gold, this? who's with us here. Like you, should, you well, you know, Kelvin I'll tr- Benjamin. I'll try to cheer you up. <laughs> I'll try to cheer you up and make it up to you. The That's best fine. example of this, what, how it's so acceptable just to talk about people who are overweight in sports, is this home run call. From Bartolo Colon, the only Bartolo mm. Colon home run. He was a Met. This is how it sounded on television. Colon looking for his first hit of the year. Oh. He drives one deep left field. That goes Upton back near the wall. It's out of here. <laughs> Bartolo has done it. The impossible has happened. <laughs> this is one of the great moments in the history of baseball. Yeah. Bartolo Colon has gone deep. I want to say that was one of the longest home run trots I've ever seen, but I think that's how fast he runs. <laughs> it was phenomenal. First of all, Gary Cohen is great. Yep. yep. That was Ron Darling uh, on the uh, Mets television network, SNY TV. The game was in San Diego. I was watching it. It was jaw-dropping. It was a line <laughs> shot home But the run. reason we love Bartolo is because he looks funny. And, and you know, the, here's the other thing about Bartolo. First if he all, didn't look funny, he'd just be a journeyman pitcher who once upon a time got caught doping. Well, yeah, but I think he was better than a – well, journeyman, he was a good journeyman. How many teams has he a played lot. for? He you played think? probably for seven teams. I'll get ideas. He played on for this. both the Mets and the Yankees. He played Pirates. for the Expos, uh, played for the A's. I got it here. It's the Indians, the Expos, the White Sox, the Angels, the Red Sox, the White Sox again, uh, the Yankees, the A's, the Mets, the Braves, the Twins, Gosh, the Rangers. Like 11 teams. Journeyman. Oh, yeah, but but he was good. He won a bunch of games. Uh, he won a Cy Young, 2005. Uh, he was like, Bartolo Colon was a legitimately good all-star level pitcher. Uh, so it's, when you say journeyman, he's just sort of a guy who bounced around. I but guess. he bounced around at the same time that he was excellent. The other thing about Bartolo Colon, when he first came up, he wasn't fat. Let me just say it. Bartolo Colon became a fat guy who could still pitch. But when he came up, he wasn't a fat guy. He was right. bigger, but he wasn't a fat guy. Um, but Colon, to me, in his latter years, always looked like he was eating on the mound. Like It wasn't like a guy chewing gum or something like that, it looked to me like he was actually eating. And to be clear, I'm not Snacking. criticizing SMY for that broadcast. No, no, was, That's great because it's in good fun. Also because like, he like, was a beloved player. It's too. why I don't believe you should. we should be knocking comedians as much as people try to. Comedians are in, artists. Why that's are we... right. It's in good fun. It's in good faith. It's art. Right. But when it's the Zion Williamson side of this, and we're talking about this in as negative terms as we are and as negative and bad faith as it seems like online, Robert, what's this commercial that Zion was in that a lot of people were talking about where he's sitting on the couch and there's potato chips and a Mountain Dew there? 
I have absolutely no idea. I, I see that thing <laughs> blowing up on social media, too. I don't know what you're talking about, Josh. The internet's been jumping on these things. Like, look, And it goes back to when he was at Duke, when people were talking about his parents, and that didn't seem right. Oh, well, how do they have a house like that? None of your damn business. Well, first of all, they're both professional people. That, too. Like, people... This is going to sound crazy to people, but sometimes the parents of basketball players have jobs. The Gina, Good jobs. The Gina Ford investigation. Right. That turned out to be nonsense as well. Like, so the way the Zion stuff's right. been talked about for a while has been uncomfortable, which is why we do that with I all, can easily all basketball players, I think. Um, I, I don't know. And honestly, if we're being honest, there is a racial component to that. No doubt. That people don't want to admit. Uh, if Zion's weight impacts his play, let's talk about it. But to speculate on the Pelicans being, and again, that might it might be true from the New Orleans Pelicans point of view, uh, but if uh, they either need to do something about that or watch him sign a free agent contract with the Knicks as soon as he can. <laughs> it's going to happen. Who's dealing with more drama tonight at 8 o'clock Eastern? <laughs> the Pelicans or the Philadelphia 76ers who even, are playing each other tonight? Not even close. It's as the as the brotherly uh, city of brotherly love turns. That is the worst. Joel Embiid said it out loud. I don't care about that guy. Yeah, Robert tried to squabble on this a bit, saying maybe there was like a dialect issue where he said, "I don't care about this man." Was he saying, "I don't care about this comma no. man"? I, I, I'm with he you hates jo- He hates Ben Simmons. <laughs> yeah. He thinks that they're better off if Ben Simmons just walked away. He, ho- he wants no part of Ben Simmons. I said this today. I don't think Ben Simmons can help a good team. I just don't. I don't think Ben Simmons can be a major part of a good team. He could be the best player on a bad team. That's what I thought. That's exactly what I said. Who, like Kevin Love. The, guy who grabs all team? the rebounds and scores right. a lot of points. But... Love, when he was on a bad team. Right, but Love was a good player. Third best player. Doesn't matter. That's fine. You don't think Ben Simmons no. can be the third best player on no. a good team? He's He has the ball. Mm-hmm. Is he just a... Now, if he's just a lockdown defender, then yeah, Ben Simmons can be that guy. But that's not Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons has the ball. Yeah. You can't be a... You can't be a great part of a championship caliber team and have the ball and I don't have to guard you. Because right now, nobody has to guard Ben Simmons. Not going to shoot. Real quick, before we let you go. Sure. Canes, Montreal tomorrow night. Tomorrow. What do you imagine that atmosphere is going to be as the Canes enter that building? Montreal just lost 5 nothing to San Jose. Uh, they're going to be toasty. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. Crispy or it's, toasty? It's going to be uh, It's going to be interesting. I don't think it'll bother Jesperi Kotkaniemi at all. Uh, I hope he plays well. It looks like he's going to play with Aho and Teravainen on the top line, and uh, those are two pretty good guys to play with. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, hopefully, Carolina will get a couple of power play chances, and Kokaniemi can get off the Schneid there, take some pressure off his five-on-five game. But uh, he's in a tough spot. They haven't played enough games. They've played a total of six games since September, whatever, twenty fifth. Fewest amount of preseason games in the league, right? Four preseason games, and they've only played two regular season games. The Kraken... Oh, yeah, Montreal have, ratted them out that they played so few preseason games. I saw that report. The Kraken have played 11 times since the preseason began. The Hurricanes have played just two. 
and they don't play tonight. On Twitter, at a gold fan. Listen to the Adam Gold Show, noon to three. Tomorrow afternoon, why don't you? Or every afternoon, we're why don't you? We're going to place our bets. That's what we're going to do. I already placed one for this week. Did you? App State. Give me the points. Give me whatever it is. They're getting points against They're Coastal? They're getting points. I think they win tonight. They better win tonight. Don't wear those yellow. I didn't know what they were. Uh, you're right. I Not a big fan. I didn't recognize them. I was like, who is this? In wear yellow? your normal jerseys. Please do that. Yeah, on TV, please. Coming up, a first look at Wake and Army this Saturday and how this game might be decided before the Deeks even arrive at Mikey Stadium in West Point. Keep it here on a Wednesday drive. Weird. Weird. A little weird. I know it's weird. Just go with it. This is The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. This seems to be a significant headline, and it comes from Mark Berman, who's a sports director in Houston, Texas. Tends to be pretty reliable in things Texans-related. Says that the Texans are working toward a potential deal that would send Deshaun Watson to the Miami Dolphins that could get done this week. If not this week, they still hope it can get done before the November 2nd trade deadline. John McClain also has been working on this. Robert, these two have been connected for really the last month or so, maybe even longer than that. I don't even know who the Dolphins might be bidding against. Maybe the Philadelphia Eagles, the way that they're putting together draft capital. They just traded away Zach Ertz last week to add another asset. They seem to be sellers right now. The larger question might be this. Three major quarterbacks could be on the market sometime soon. Either this year, in Deshaun's case, or next year with Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson probably going to be moving on. I would say probably for Russ because he was ticked off after going 12-5 and five and the team's not any good right now as he's been out. I don't. I think that could get really worse. But let's assume he wants to go. You're a general manager, Robert. All three of those quarterbacks have their own baggage that comes along with them. You can have one. Who are you trading for? Uh, Russell. Russell Wilson's the choice. Very. I, I would agree he has the least amount of baggage. Oh, he has the least amount of baggage. He has the most amount of time effective in the league. Uh, I think he's got at least six years left. I think he's a better player than Deshaun Watson is. I don't think he's better than Aaron Rodgers, but how long can Rodgers do it? Yeah. If you're building for the future, I would pick Russell. Yeah, and also, if you bring in Aaron, you're going to have to tailor everything to Aaron, and you have to make him kind of the guy that everything has to go through, the way that Tampa Bay has pushed all the chips in the center for Tom Brady. Now, it could be worth it. You could win a title, and that's great, but that's something you're going to have to accept. The problem with Russ, it's we're assuming that we, we pick the guy and they're going to want to play for you, right? There's a specific reason why Russell Wilson listed... Vegas, Dallas, Chicago, and New Orleans is the places he wanted to play for. And I believe a lot of that has to do with market and the person that he's married to. 
it's practical, just like we would all have to make those types of decisions with our spouses and families, what might be best given the fields that we've chosen to pursue. So you're right. If you could have any of those three options, I think Russell Wilson is the one you go after. If it were just talent and just football things that you talk about, I'd probably say Deshaun, but you can't talk about Deshaun without talking about the rest of it. And that's why it's interesting that the Texans might be making this move right now. More specifically, the Dolphins are interested in making this room making this move right now. I, I'd like to see what exactly the compensation is going to be when we get a chance to see the details of that deal that looks like it's imminent. Last night, Robert, I was watching The Bachelorette. I got my big-ass notepad sheet here. A lot of notes on it. Let's get to that in The Bachelorette Minute. So, it's another ongoing, never-ending series of The Bachelorette. That was the hottest kiss of my life. I just want to stand next to her and be with her and hold her. If you really like it. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for a one-in-a-billion girl. You should put a ring on it. This is what I came here for. Welcome to The Bachelorette Minute. Yes, Robert. Michelle from Demon Deacon Matt James's season is the new Bachelorette. And in the introduction montage, they made it pretty clear she's a teacher. She's a teacher. So what did they do? They took us inside her fifth grade classroom and had her talking about being on the show with her students. One of the students even asked, how many people are you going to be dating? She said, how many do you think? 10? 12? Well, actually, it's close to 30. And they were all like, wow! Wow, Miss Y! Wow, Miss Young! Has me thinking, Robert. Will parents let their kids that are in that class watch The Bachelorette? Like, if you're the parent of one of those fifth graders and you know that's one of your students' teachers, do you let your kid watch that show? I wouldn't have even told those kids anything. They don't need to know anything about your life outside those walls anyway. It is strange. When you're in fifth grade, you're in middle school, and you run into teachers outside of the school for the first time. I think I had my first teacher crush when I was in fifth grade. Probably. That checks about that checks boxes in my head right now. Do you ever have a crush on a teacher? Oh yeah, we had a ton of pretty teachers right out of college too. Uh I wish I could remember her name. She got married though, so it changed, but she was a fine, fine math teacher. What did she teach? Oh math? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Discreet and then some other stuff. Uh she was married to a state champion wrestler though, so like it was kinda hard to like if you even wanted to put your foot in the door, you knew you'd get, like, double eggs, so. Yeah. Let's talk about chemistry. That's kind of math-related, isn't it? Moving on! Two drama guys on night one. Two guys that were mired in drama. Starting with Ryan, who was sent home before a rose ceremony even happened because I don't know why they had the two hosts looking through the things and rooms of some of the contestants, but Ryan was one of the people. Apparently, the producer sniffed this out. He had a binder, Robert, 
that had a bunch of different notes on it. How to get more screen time. How not to be the villain. How to be more likable. Here are some things about teaching. So that way you could sound interested in that stuff. That's something that was said verbatim. So then when Michelle found out about that and read some of these notes, my man got sent home. The second drama guy was my first overall pick in our bachelorette draft, Joe, the former point guard at Minnesota. And you'll have to explain this to me, Robert, why this has seemed to be a big deal at all. But when she met Joe coming out of the limo, the entire deal, she recognized him. And when he was walking away, she said, didn't I slide into your DMs? And the answer to that question was, of course, yes, she did. They messaged back and forth, apparently, last year during the pandemic. They're both from Minnesota. And after about a week, he just ghosted her. Should she really be that offended about that? If somebody just ghosted you on Twitter when you or Insta when you slide into the DMs? When was her season with the Wake Forest guy? This must have been this. That was taped in the fall. Nah, no, 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 no. She was on social media sliding in other dudes' DMs. It's okay. That's how they line them up for the next one. Whatever. Uh, it's not a big deal because it's not real. But if it was real, I also don't think it would be a big deal because in the pandemic, the whole thing was like talking to people online that you were never going to meet in public. Like it was just a nice way to interact. And then you would never see them. Like it was, no, I don't think she should be offended by it. And a lot of things were happening happening last summer in Minneapolis. If you were following things pretty closely in the news. Uh, yeah. And they even talked about that on the show. That that was something that was obviously a part of this. So he, he was kept around. He is one of the two guys I have left. Robert, all four of your guys made it including Nate, spelled N-A-Y-T-E. He got the first impression, Rose, Robert, and he got a kiss. The only kiss that anybody got last night. So all four of your guys made it, even the yoga guru who showed up without pants. He was wearing a Speedo. You show he even got through. Legs. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. So Greensboro product Jack didn't come through for me. Neither did NFL player Brian, who was a starting guard for the Chiefs. Uh, he he didn't tell on her. This line. He ain't starting on this line. <laughs> he didn't tell her. He didn't tell her that he used to play in the league. Ah, uh, dumb flex. She doesn't care. She would only care about that to know that he was uh, financially gifted. So I lost two of mine. All four of your guys made it. And I'm concerned about where this might be headed. But that is... The Bachelorette Minute. What more details have you seen on this Deshaun Watson news that's coming down here? Uh, I think you all the info you would get is what's in the Houston Chronicle story that John McClain wrote. Unfortunately, it's behind a paywall. And I Damn. do not have a Houston Chronicle subscription. Yeah, we, we need to be able. Newspapers, let's figure this out. I want to pay for your stuff, but you need to give me an option where I could pay maybe just a dollar. I'll pay a dollar to read your story because I'm not going to be subscribed to the San Francisco Chronicle, the Houston Chronicle, 
to the Philadelphia Inquirer in every newspaper across the country. I mean, so, even the athletic, too. I would pay like small fees to read singular articles, but like I'm not going to read enough of the athletic to make it viable for me. I do subscribe to the athletic, but that's just because you I got a bunch of friends who write for them. I get yeah. it. There I don't go. care about Carolina enough to read uh, the athletic stuff on Carolina. The only thing I would worry about on the athletic is the Ravens. But again, I'm not paying to read Jeff Zerbiak. So then you got the the Raptors. I'm sure have some stuff there. That'd I get. Cool. Well, what am I supposed to know about them? They got Justin Champagny as an undrafted free agent. What am I supposed to? Know? Oh, let's go. He's Former been awful Pitt in Panther. The preseason. He's been awful. I'm about it though. No, it's a cool. I love a Justin cool Champagny and his hair. Hope he can figure it out, but he has been uh, very streaky. And it, it, streaky is the wrong word because he would have to be good to be streaky, but. I want to point this out while I have the time to do so. Uh, really cool note that the Charlotte Hornets are honoring Rick Bunnell, who tragically passed away earlier this summer, has covered the Hornets since their inception, they are naming the media entrance that you walk to, walk through to get to the media section at uh, Spectrum Center after Rick, and they are starting a scholarship in his name, a ten thousand dollars scholarship in Rick Bennell's name. That was always our go-to guy on Hornet stuff, and tonight's going to mark the first season of Hornets basketball where he hasn't been with us. But we're going to miss Rick Bennell a ton because he was always our guy always available at the drop of a hat and insightful, interesting, and I think it's great that the Hornets are going to be honoring him. Speaking of the athletic, our friend Brendan Marks had a tremendous tribute to him that if you have a subscription to the athletic, I'd encourage you to read. What's up? What's up? What none of you wants to admit is that the kid is good. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. For those who are interested in jersey numbers, Stephon Gilmore, who has begun practicing with the Carolina Panthers this week, has chosen his jersey number. It's number nine. Past Panthers to wear the number Graham Godot and Rodney Pete. We go out to Carolina Panthers practice now to talk about Stephon Gilmore and all things Panthers with the voice of the Panthers, Mick Mixon, joining us as he does quite often here on WSJS Sports. Give me a sense for what you're seeing from number nine out at practice now that you're out there. And in addition to that, what you've been hearing behind the scenes with how he's fitting in inside the building. You may be able to hear the uh, thumping music in the background, Josh. I'm out here at Panther practice now, and I know I'm dating myself, but when I think about uniform number nine, my first thought goes to Sonny Jurgensen. So um, <laughs> there is that. But Gilmore looks great. The number nine has never looked as good as it does draped off across Stefan Gilmore. I, I was just watching him, and I'm watching him right now, as a matter of fact, jogging back to the huddle after a defensive rep. I just saw an, an in-break um, a minute ago, receiver hard cut to the inside. Looked like for a second Gilmore was out of position, but then in the, just a, not even the blink of an eye, faster than that, Gilmore closed the distance and, and just blanketed the receiver, and the quarterback had to throw the ball away. I mean, he just 
has the anticipation. He just turned 31. I don't know how you feel about it. I'm interested, but my little corner of the world here on the bank here at practice, I can't wait to see him get going. I think he's still got a lot left to give. How do you read it? I think he does have a lot left to give. Just don't rush him back. Christian McCaffrey, he was dealing with the hamstring, still is, and that's an injury that among some that you can sustain, very easy to re-aggravate and re-injure. In Stephon Gilmore's case, it's been a very long time since he's played football, so there's no doubt the guy could help you play, but some Panther fans are expecting hearing you describe him right now, break up that in-cut. That means instantly right out of the shoot that he's going to be ready to go against the Giants. I think that's still pretty ambitious, don't you? Uh, yeah, I guess, but... I mean, I think there's two factors at work here. One is the connective tissue. Your points are all very astutely made, not wanting to rush him back. The other part of it is the system, the nomenclature, the, the syntax of the still snow defense, learning how to you know, how it all works and what calls and checks, what words mean what. Gilmore, Gilmore will be a quick study in, in that aspect of it. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I just got done watching the, the Giants and the – the Rams, and I had to force myself to watch the entire second half on NFL Game Pass. It was 28-3 at halftime. It became 31-3 and 38-3 pretty quickly in the third quarter. And the Giants just look like a hot mess right now. But NFL is crazy, Josh. You know, we've seen the Panthers lose to a winless Falcon team some years ago. They're just You just can't predict it. So, But I think this is this is one of those where – you got to have this game. I mean, to, to, to get back in touch with your confidence, uh, the, the winning taste, set up a road trip to Atlanta, maybe get that game too. I think this is a hugely important week seven Saturday, or Sunday it's, rather. It's Mick Mixon with us here on WSJS Sports. On two different occasions, Matt Rule almost became the head coach of a New York football team. There was the instance where he was offered the job with the Jets, but declined it because he was told he wouldn't be able to pick his coordinators. Then with the Giants, if he gets on that plane from Waco, Texas, away from David Tepper and uh, Marty Herney at the time to go to New York, many believe that he would have been wooed and given a contract to be with the team that he once coached with or coached for on Tom Coughlin's staff about a decade ago. Knowing what we've learned about that timeline, how close do you think we were to watching the Giants, watching Matt Rule coach against the Panthers this week rather than for them? Yeah, it almost seemed like the, the Matt Rule sweepstakes in in that little snapshot of of a couple of uh, off seasons ago. And David Tepper was not going to be he, – he was not going to let somebody close the deal uh, out from under him that he wanted. And – you know, possession. I remember looking at a house one time, my first house I ever bought, and I wanted that house as soon as I saw it. But there was a bunch of other people looking at it, too. The sellers decided to just invite a bunch of people over to see it at 3 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. They flew, they came into town. And I remember thinking, I don't know how this works, but if I'm the last person to leave, if I have to stay here all night, then I've got a good chance of being the one that gets my signature on the line, which is dotted. And so... um I think it was kind of cool that David Tepper wasn't going to let Matt Rule leave. I mean, they were just going to just take him to dinner, box him in, whatever they had to do to uh, to do it. So um, 
Joe Judge, you know, he'll, he's a good coach. I think the Giants hired well, but I like our guy. McMixon with us here. Let's circle back to Sunday on a couple of things real quickly. Anytime you work closely and collaborate with others on a craft, I think conflict and tension is inevitable, really in any relationship, working or personal. And we're seeing, I think, some of that between Matt Rule and Joe Brady right now. I'm interested, why do you think Matt chose to air out his grievances with the offense specifically in the public way he did on Monday afternoon? I don't know, but it wasn't by accident. I think Coach Rule maybe just wanted, in the kind of the words of Darren Gannel, Panthers.com, our uh, you know pa- uh, Panthers beat writer on the dot-com side, he wanted his team to hear him say it publicly. I, I, just, I really don't know, but I think that – and the other question is, if you're going to go back to running the ball, if you're going to commit to the run, why would you tell the Giants that? I, I think there are – you know, Matt Rule dances to the beat of a tune that that is hard to bring in on the traditional radio stations. It is interesting because when you think about Joe Brady's offense, you think about dropping back the pass, spreading things out, looking like the Saints, looking like LSU that year. I didn't see a lot of that on Sunday. Didn't it seem like to you the Panthers were working under center a little bit more than usual? <laughs> yeah, a little bit, but and it, and you know, it may, and it may be. Maybe a shell game. It may be maybe a little three card Monty. The Panthers may throw it fifty times against the Giants. I think that the desired goal, however, of this offense is to, and the defense as well, is to not just do one thing well, but is to follow that New England model of many of the great Patriots teams, which is to be able to morph into whatever kind of offensive scheme or defensive scheme you need to be to take away what the other team does best. How do you understand what changed in Christian's rehab last week that led to him being placed on IR? Well, I can tell you, I guess I could tell you exactly what it, what it was if I knew. I think you got me on thin ice here because I'm getting ready to talk about something that I may not really completely know about. Sure. And I try not to do that. My guess would be, having been uh, an astute uh, converser with team trainers over my lifetime in athletics, the team trainers got keys to the kingdom. The trainers know who's naughty, who's nice, who's a hard worker, who's not, who'll take a shortcut, who won't. And, you know, McCaffrey is a training warrior. And in some cases, Christian can overtrain. Uh, that's just how competitive he is. So if I had to guess, I'd guess he maybe rushed himself back, trying to push himself too quickly, might have tweaked it, or maybe just the randomness of the universe just tried to tried to use that hamstring in a in an athletic maneuver and and just maybe didn't quite like the way it felt and 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 reset the clock a little bit. We'll close with this. Mick Mixon with us here. This is your final season as the voice of the Carolina Panthers. So I wonder, when you go on a road trip like you're going to to New York this weekend, or I guess New Jersey, and you're going to Atlanta the following week, are you making mental notes? Are you taking moments to be present in perhaps what might be the last time you step into given venues? Uh, a little bit. You know, privately, it, nothing, nobody really cares. So if you hear me well, say, I do. You know, today... 
Well, I appreciate. It. I love you for it. But if you, if in some broadcast, this is and this is not. I mean, some broadcasters are. You know, today marks my thirteenth trip to Atlanta. I mean, if you hear me say something like that, just call nine one one because you'll know that I've suffered a traumatic brain injury, and I'm no longer myself. Uh, but privately, not for on air, my game broadcast. I'm I'm trying to push my record button on my mind through everything this season, every training camp. Uh, I had um, had dinner with Jake DeLone the other night. You know, I was in town. He came in for the the, uh, the Vikings game. He's staying at this hotel not far from the apartment. My wife was out of town, so um, had a steak with Jake and and just talked to him about his life and his kids and the, the guy his oldest daughter's dating and and yeah, I mean, I'm just these are things, these are memories that that are important to me and that I'll look back on years from now maybe get a little bit of a smile. Soak it in, Nick. It's going to go fast. When I look at it, we're three weeks away today from Wake's basketball season tipping off, and I wonder where the first third of the NFL season went. So soak it up, as I know you will. Travel safe, and thank you so much for making the time for us, as always. Always a joy, my young friend. Keep in touch. There he goes, the voice of the Panthers, Mick Mixon, joining us out from Charlotte.